Hello, musicians, artists, strivers, creative types. I'm Linda Bolero. I'm here with you today with my student friend and colleague now, Zakia Sutton. And I'm the entre musician, and so are you. And today we're going to find out what life is like for Zakia in her life as an entre musician. So thank you for coming today, and it's great to see you, Zakia. How are you? I'm great. I'm glad to be able to talk with you and maybe even share some nuggets for people that are listening as well. Oh, yes, absolutely. We definitely want to hear about what's going on with you and how you got to where you are today. So tell me about what's happening. What's happening right now in your life? Oh, that's a that's a big question. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of things happening. Um, I am the season partner for Boston Children's Chorus, um, which is very exciting. And what that means is essentially I'm doing a series of an engagement with them. I perform with them at their MLK show recently. Um, I wrote the script for that show around the music for that show. Um, and. Um, I will be making my debut as a composer by composing for the choir. Um, and that oh. music will be debuted in May. Um, and I've been doing arts activism workshops with the kids too. So it's been very exciting. <laughs> wow, that is really fun. Wow, what great work and what a great group. I love the Boston Children's Chorus. I'm actually, I've followed them for years and I always send uh, people to them when, when I get contacted by my parents with with kids, I always say, eh, go there for a year or two and then come back for private lessons after that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a great organization. They do some really creative things. W what does it mean to become their seasoned partner? What does that involve? Uh, essentially, it means that I am committed to engaging in a wide variety of projects with them throughout their entire season. So September through May. Um, I have consistent engagement in the overall visioning for things and um, con contributing my artistry in various ways. So composing, writing, performing with them, workshops. Fantastic. <laughs> so I have about a million questions about this, but let's begin with what you said about composing, because this is a new track for you. You have um, definitely worked on melodies and songs for yourself, which we will get to all your really cool and creative projects. But what, what does it mean by composing now? Are you working with uh, Logic or another program? How are you doing? Yes. Yes. So I'm producing the song through Logic right now, and then I'm going to use a notation software to put it onto sheet music <laughs> so that they have a score to 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 read off of. Um, if I try to do the notation myself, it would take 80 years. So I, I would never Nobody's try. doing that anymore, sadly, but use finale <laughs> or something like that. Yes, yes, exactly. Finale. Um, and so, yeah, that's pretty much how I'm composing. It's it's very exciting. It's a new journey for me from just going from regular songwriting I do to myself to having to, to think about what's best for this group, consider the voices that I'm writing for and all these other factors. And mm -hmm. um, it's exciting. Yeah. Great. And what about the lyrics for that piece? How did you um, did you arrive or have you yet? It's still early, so I'm, it's you're still early. So I'm just beginning the process. I actually am going to be meeting with them next uh, week 
to actually speak to the youth and ask them certain questions that give me inspiration. Okay. So that I can kind of represent pieces of their voice and so that they can feel connected to what they're what they're singing. Oh, brilliant. That's fantastic. Yes, because we need to hear what's on their mind, what's in their thoughts, what are they caring about, what are they feeling about, what will be fun for them. And then and then you're a true partner, I guess, because the music is coming from them, from their messages they want to share combined with your experience. Yeah, it's definitely a collaborative effort. And I, I think love it. Yeah, that, that makes it so much better. <laughs> so great. So tell me, uh, how did you get this position? So um, I happened to be recommended to them um, by a good friend, Kat Morris, who's the founder of BAMSFest, um, who I met actually um, doing Arts Advocacy Day by um, is it Mass Creative? I think it's held, held by Mass Creative. Um, it's like a day where a bunch of like artists and musicians get to talk to legislators and advocate for the arts. And, and they're kind of like broken up into these different groups. And Kat was in my group. Um, and so I, I happened to meet her there, but she had already actually known about me because of the work that she does. She hosts festival and all that stuff. Um, so I didn't realize she already had a connection um, to my work. And so I guess when Boston Children's Chorus was looking for new people to partner with and um, thinking about arts activism and things like that, she put my name in. And so I, I appreciate that because I noticed that in this industry, being able to have real connections with people is so important, so. It absolutely is. It's all about, um getting to know people, talking to them and building relationships. And, um, you know, we work with people we know and we like, and that's just been the way things have been since the dawn of time. And it's not going to change anytime soon. So if you want to be out there doing anything, you have to talk to people. So that's fabulous. And which you do because you're pretty active in the community. Can you tell me some more about your experiences with arts activism in the community? Yes, so my experiences mainly revolve around education, but also um, there are different ways I try to tie my actual artistry to different things. So I did um, a concert in the, actually right before the pandemic hit, um, made it just in time. And instead of just doing regular tickets, had people donate books that could be given to the local prisons um, so that people there could have things that they could read. Um, also created a women's self-defense program when I was working at the Sheriff's Department that travels throughout Suffolk County. Um, and I do a lot of arts activism workshops with um, various youth, various organizations like Mothers for Justice and Equality, um and well now Boston Children's Chorus as well and um I've been doing a lot of equity consulting now too with arts organizations um in helping them to identify opportunities to grow equity within their organizations mm -hmm. um and so I've been able to work with, I don't know if I, I don't want to say specific names because I don't know if they want their names out there, but I've been able to work with various arts organizations doing work like that. And I've learned a lot in that process too about the, about the sector, so. Oh, I can imagine because that's a lot of uh, political issues within the organizations themselves, I'm sure. Yeah, 
mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. money money uh creates a lot of <laughs> challenges <laughs> yeah yes. well that's really exciting um how did you arrive at this interest like tell me a little bit about your your early life, you know, when you went to college, were you always interested in activism from very young or when did it sprout up in you? I was definitely always interested since I was very young. Um, Anyone who knows me from elementary school, they're probably their biggest memories of me is, oh yeah, that was the girl who was always like fighting for women and black people. That was my thing. Don't say anything about women. (laughs) Don't say anything about black people that was my thing um and so i get a lot of that from my dad um my dad was a revolutionary um back in the day he was um a part of an organization called the rna republic of new africa um very similar to the black panthers but more locally based um in terms of like fighting for racial justice and things like that so he kind of instilled within me a lot of the um a lot of the values that I have that make me want to be a part of my community and give back to my community. Yeah. That's very nice. And so did you also stand out in college when you were in these with your music and activism? Like when did when did you start combining these two? I think um, I started combining them. I feel like I, I always have to some degree. I actually, believe it or not, have a harder time writing songs just about like have have a good time let's party let's (laughs) because when i sit down to write it's always like what what can i talk about that's happening in the world that people need to hear about um one of the first original songs i ever performed was when i was 11 years old and it was a song called pray for peace and it was about september 11th Mm -hmm. um and what I was seeing as a kid happening in the world and wanting wanting that to change. And so I think that instinctually was always there. Um, but when I did get to high school, Boston Arts Academy, um, that really helped hone my skills and learn all the different cool ways I can use my art to, to create social change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. And Boston Arts Academy, what a wonderful place to grow up as well. Um, and so you've had a great deal of music training and vocal training in your life. And I know that when we met, you um, you had uh, already been singing many years and you had already been performing. You were a graduate of Wellesley. Is that right? Yes. And, uh, but you had run into some issues because you had this, uh, you know, this wide range and a lot of upper notes, but you weren't used to really connecting to your speaking voice mm-hmm. and um, when you were singing more contemporary styles and styles that where you wanted to really communicate a strong message, you were running into a little discomfort, even yeah. though it sounded good to a lot of people, you weren't satisfied. So we worked on that a lot. And of course, building that connection from your lower voice to your upper voice so that it sounds more like one voice and, and, and it will work beautifully for you, I think, at this point. Um, can you, can you tell me a little bit about that song that, um, when I met you, we first worked on brown skin and I don't can't remember if that's Oh, it. oh, oh, my original song. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. So it's a song called danger and it's about, um, pretty much the, 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 the criminalization of black bodies, the fear of black bodies. And, um, I pretty much wrote that I I believe after reading about or hearing about another case of police brutality in the news I don't even remember which one there's been so many now 
Um, and I was frustrated by it. So I, so I was commenting on what I, what I see. And then if you're asking me to speak about the actual vocal Well, yeah, the vocal, I think, I think it would be cool to hear a little more about that project, because if I remember correctly, you worked with somebody on a, on a recording for that, and also about the vocals and that, how that worked for you. Yes, so essentially, um, that is a song that requires more of that speaking voice um, tone. And um, at the time, I really hadn't had a lot of the tools to really be able to feel comfortable um, singing in the way that I want to and not overthinking things or, you know, kind of just guessing my way through. Um, and because I know how to sound good, you can get away with a lot. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, for me, it's always important to do things that are actually sustainable um, and efficient. And so I, that's one reason it was very helpful for us to be able to, to kind of break down the song and vowels, which is unfortunately something that I didn't get nearly as much attention with in all of my years of training, which I do not understand why vowels are so crucial to our understanding of, of singing. Um, and, and yeah, being able to put those pieces together really helped to um, not only perform it better, but better connect to the song, because when you're not obsessing over you know, how do I sound? What's going to happen? You you give yourself the freedom to better connect to what you're saying. Um, Yes, that, that is exactly the point. A lot of people don't really understand that about voice training. They think it's about changing your voice, but it's actually about giving you more freedom and power to do what you want, to express what you want. Because if you're doing it by manipulating and trying to get certain sounds, then you're limited to the kind of expression and phrasing that you can actually make. And you would never do that with an instrument. So for example, if you were playing in drums, you know, you wouldn't just you know, use your hand any which way you felt like at a moment, because then you'd end up with a lot of problems in your wrist and whatever. And yeah. the same thing, of course, for a guitar, piano, whatever. So yeah. I'm glad that that you were able to to uh, work on that and pull that together so beautifully. Um, the the um, the other part of what you were just saying about vowels is is really funny because it is true that few people work on that in voice lessons, although everybody kind of talks about it, sort of especially, I shouldn't say everybody, but especially classically trained people talk about vowels a lot, but they're not really listening for the sound of a, a natural vowel that's sort of unencumbered. And uh, in fact, that is the way the brain works. That is the way we make sound. we make sound by imagining a, a sound that happens to be a vowel yeah. and people don't realize that if you go hey oh my god ah that's that's a vowel you know and we have that sound in our imagination before we open our mouth even if it's not completely conscious and to be great singers or great musicians then we make these imagination these the sounds we have in our imagination we make them more intentional and more conscious no matter what instrument you play so um, it's really interesting that uh, to watch your development over the years and, and how you are so connected to just saying it now in your lower middle voice and how, how natural it sounds. As a matter of fact, we could probably take a little bit of time um, to listen to a little bit from your concert with the Boston Children's Chorus. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Okay, so we'll just listen to a couple bits and pieces here if I can 
find that screen share. I'm going to screen share with you, hopefully the right thing here. I've got this new setup on my Zoom, so we'll see if that works out properly. <clears throat> oh, Zoom is allow asking me to first open some setting changes. Hmm. Mm. Oh, I see, because of the recording. I had to set it up to allow so that everybody can get to see it when they when they watch. Um, oh, you know what? I'm going to run into a um, a problem. It's not going to play, unfortunately. Can they put it in later? Um, we can tr we can talk. We can ask ask Jerry about that. So I'll send him the things and we can try and add it in later. So we'll try and add that in in post production. So you all get a chance to hear a little <laughs> bit of it. That was a Zacchaeus Sutton at Boston Symphony Hall with the Boston Children's Chorus and um, really wonderful the way uh, she was able to communicate in a natural way while singing with the chorus and showing off her great range. So um, tell us a little bit more before we go. I do want to make sure we talk a little bit about your hip hopera because that was another exciting project. And uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you um, came up with that idea and then how you brought it to fruition. So a lot of young musicians have a lot of ideas, but they have trouble actually making them happen. And you have an ability to do that. So let's let's share that with the others. Yeah, um, so hip opera is essentially me blending a hip hop foundation with operatic-esque sounds. <laughs> Um, and it came about um, early on when I started studying classical music and I used to remix all the songs on the radio operatically and it was just a fun thing that I did. It wasn't initially something I thought would be an actual thing. <laughs> um, but then years later when I started to create orig original music and I started to think of ideas of what to create, the idea came to my mind. Actually, I was starting to try to remix a specific aria, which I'm not going to name because I'd still like to try to do that again. But <laughs> there was a specific aria I was trying to to remix with a, a more hip hop sound. And then as my producer and I were working on it, it kind of went in a separate direction to be just its own thing. And it wound up being Shades of Black, the hip hopera. Um, and I realized that people really gravitated to it even more than I suspected. So that was <laughs> that was very cool. Um, and it became symbolic for me in many ways in, in, in having the ability to create your own space mm -hmm. and um, to assert your agency. And as an independent artist, that's very important to me. Yeah. Yes, and I think it should be important to everybody. That's one of the advantages of being an independent artist is is exactly that. And we see that with a lot of the celebrities who try to stay independent as much as possible, too. Um, and so, but you've performed that live a few places, too. Can you, where are some of the places where you've performed the uh, hip hopper live? Yeah, um, so I've performed it at, well, I did the United Nations. That was That was pretty cool. Um, I did, oh gosh, now I'm going to be blanking. <laughs> oh, Museum of Science. <laughs> I'm like, what is the past? The pandemic has everything messed up for me in my mind. Oh, um, yeah. 
Yeah, we're all out of sync. The time time factor is all messed up. We can't judge when was something when something happened. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, and the cool the cool thing about the Museum of Science show is that um, they gave me the opportunity that they just pretty much gave me a platform. I'm like, do what you want with it. And so, um, I took a few of my original songs and kind of created a story um, where I was this ancient African artifact. Um, kind of commenting on various social issues through mm -hmm. this museum perspective <laughs> using my songs. Um, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. It was. I was there and uh, it was great to see. And it, it, it was a really cool idea because, of course, museums uh, in themselves have a big issue with diversity and equity and inclusion. So um, it was a very topical, relevant, and important message to have in that program. So it was fun, too. Love yeah, it. and I, I was glad you were there to warm me up in the beginning and everything. <laughs> yeah. Like you've been playing in these little high-pressure environments lately, so it's a lot of, it's a lot of pressure. It's yeah. a lot of pressure. It's no small thing. So tell me about um, uh, any other individual projects? <clears throat> I know you're busy with Boston Children's Chorus, but anything else that's in the back of your mind you'd like to work on for yourself? Yes. One of my huge goals this year is to finish my album, which I feel like I've been trying to do for 80 years now. <laughs> it's so hard because, you know, as an independent artist, you wind up having like eight different jobs. And so um, I have different things pulling me in different directions. I'm teaching now as well. Um, and so I decided, look, I don't want to hold back on that anymore. I want to be able to push it out. Um, I also have been getting a little into acting. I have some projects that could be um, coming to fruition, but I can't speak on them just yet. But, you know, hang tight. <laughs> so are you are you auditioning for acting jobs in other places or is this one of your own projects? In, in other places right now. Very nice. Well, look forward to seeing that and hearing about that, yeah. um, because that's also something that you would you would be great at, too, I'm sure. And I would love to see you do something like that, too. Yeah. Um, OK, well, I think that we are in a good place to tell the listeners where they can find out more about you. So tell us about your social media. Where can people find you? Where can people reach out to you if they want to find out more about your projects? Yes. So Instagram is the number one social site for me. So my handle on Instagram is Zakia, Z-A-K-I-Y-Y-A-H underscore official. And um, you can also go to my website, which is www.zakiaofficial.com. Yes. Okay. Fabulous. So that if anyone needs to get in touch with you, <coughs> excuse me, wants to find out more about what you're working on please go to her site and we'll have all that information available for you <coughs> and with that in my final coughing we can say goodbye for today i have um, some more things that i might want to talk about with the listeners later on but i want to thank you for joining us today and telling us about your projects thank you for having me it's been a pleasure it's nice to see you and i wish you a lot of luck with the rest of your projects <coughs> excuse me Thank you. <laughs> Bye.
So I hope you had a wonderful time talking to Miss Zakia. She is a lot of fun and the music and her artistry is really interesting. It's different and I hope that it inspires you to do something different as well. I wanted to let you all know that I am continuing to teach in person in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That's right outside of Boston. I'm at Berkeley College of Music where I'm an assistant professor in voice. And uh, I'm also running some online courses for singers and voice teachers. And the next course for singers begins at the end of February. So please uh, reach out to me. Uh, you can email me at bolerostudio at gmail.com. Uh, or you can find me online, www.lindabaliro.com, and you can reach out to me that way. And uh, please find me on Instagram, Baliro Voice. And I will tell you about what's coming up and see if it's right for you. I also have some free classes coming up too, so you're welcome to join those, and I'll be live on Instagram so you can join me there. And you can also look online or in any bookstore for my book. And let's see if I can get this here without the virtual background. It's a little bit tricky. But the book is Being a Singer, the Art, Craft, and Science. And uh, you can pick that up wherever books are sold. And you can pick it up in an ebook or in a, a paperback. And it has lots of fun exercises for you to do to discover your own voice and to learn how to connect your voice from lower to upper range. And also some things about your perspective on yourself and perspective on the world around you and uh, how you can develop courage for things that are challenging for you and develop the intentional focus you need to uh, get successful at what you do. And uh, lastly, please feel free to uh, check out my client oviantemusic.com, O-V-E-A-N-T-E-O-V-I-A-N-T-E, music.com is a wonderful jazz um, easy listening pianist uh, that has some beautiful music that I hope you will like and he's also an indie musician and we're trying to elevate him as well so I hope you all uh, can elevate yourselves in your career and I'm happy to see you today at the Entre Musician I am Linda Balero, the Entre Musician and so are you see you soon and stay well friends <laughs>